Hello, folks. It's time for you to cast episode 13. Choo, choo. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> it, was a pretty, it was a pretty good Friday the 13th, that was right? You scared me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Uh, Kev, I gotta tell you what else was scary. When I woke up this morning, it was 42 degrees out. I, you know what? I gotta tell you, as somebody who loves the fall, who loves the cold weather, who I don't own all these dope jackets and sweaters for no reason. So I'm glad no, that I can get all that look, stuff. Look, I get it. The, was super cold today. I here's the thing. I didn't think about it. Left all my windows open. I yeah. went to bed last night. I woke yeah. up like, what is this? Am I cursed? Half dead. <laughs> Half dead. What, Frosty. <laughs> which strange, like, elemental wizard did I did I anger in the evening? Uh, we have a uh, we have a good show tonight. Uh, Connor and Ben from the band Comfy are going to be here to talk about. Excited to hear it. Yeah, Excited I'm pretty stoked. Um, so let's uh, let's move on. Episode thirteen. Let's do it. All right. We're happy you're here, folks. You to cast. That's because you're a soft man. <laughs> you're soft. a very soft man. Soft man. Uh, so let's uh, let's address my plea this afternoon on Twitter oh, for Lord. people to send me some questions. And I need to I need to make a point. Maybe this was my fault. I said today, if anyone has any questions for the Uticast about anything they want to know, right. get at us with a uh, Uticast AMA. It's not exactly what I meant to say. I guess no, probably not. No. Um, so what I'm really, what we're really reaching out for you folks to do is we want to answer your questions. Yeah, we want. It's it's almost like we we want to do a mailbag. Yeah, section, mailbag. Basically, where you cast mail questions, something you want us to dissect, to discuss any issue, something you think we should be talking about, a question you want to address, anything like that. Reach out. You can hit us up on Twitter. You can reach out to us via email at uticast at gmail. Yeah. We just, I mean, any anything, anything you want to do, no matter how ridiculous. If it's awful, we won't talk about it. Yeah. But if it's yeah. all right, we'll probably get it. We up. have we have one uh, message that made the cut this week, and it'll be in the last segment. Yeah. Um, I also we we just uh, just now when we were taping, we received a DM for the over under. If we make it to it, I know we had a long show today, but we got a couple of people know. reaching out. But yeah, uh, so if you have any questions for us, and you don't want to post them on Twitter, you want a little more of a private forum. We're very confidential here at Uticast. Get at us at the email address, uticast at gmail.com. Dot com. We can answer all your questions. Anything you want. And if we can't answer the question, we will make up something that sounds so good. You yes. won't know the difference. You'll never know. You'll never know. Um, Kev, I'm a little stressed out today. Uh, because of the cold? No, the cold's fine. I've accepted it. I have a nice button-down hoodie combo. I feel all right about the cold now. You have a hoodie that buttons down? Well, I have the button down and then the hoodie oh, no. over the button oh. down. Layers. Layers, Layers, guy. Layers. It's not cold enough for a scarf yet, but we're getting there. Uh, no, I'm stressed out because my car is back in the shop. Your car lives at the shop. You might as well start parking it there. My car has a summer home at the shop where it lives <laughs> all year long. Um Here's the problem, though. So I brought the car into the shop this week. Yeah. And over this weekend, you were there. Yeah. Uh, you were there, Kev. Uh, I we basically determined I need a new starter. In Probably my car. It that seems, seems that way. to seems be. That way. So what happened? We went to our friend Dan Nolan's thirtieth birthday party. Happy birthday, Dan Nolan! 
Uh, and as we were leaving, my car would not start in the nope. parking lot. And it's been starting very weak. Very weak. For a while. So I'm thinking, that's it. Here goes the starter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, thanks, science. I turned the key a couple times, and it finally started. So we drove it right to a Riskini garage tire. Great people over there. Love those guys. Uncle Russ. Uncle Russ. Wonderful work. Take it. your cars to Uncle Russ. Good man. So I left the car there, went to work today. When I called them up to find out what was wrong with my car, mm-hmm. they told me, we need more time to figure it out. What does that mean? What does it even mean? That could mean one of two things. It could mean either your car got there and decided to behave itself like a perfectly functional car with 140,000 miles on it that's 12 years old. That's what I'm thinking is happening. Or it just means they were real busy and didn't want to tell you, hey, we're too busy for you because you're always here. I don't know. I was there at like 7 this morning, man. I'm just saying. Fair enough. Um, Second week in a row. Let's let's move on to something else. Let's move on. I can't talk okay. about how crappy my car is. Fine, anymore. fine. Uh, second week in a row, we had a stag party to go to. We did stag party. Just so many stag parties all the time. Yeah. Congratulations to Ryan McGrogan. Indeed. Yeah. Good good times at the stag it was, party. It was a very good stag party. Cavallos, man. Those wings. People. Those wings. I'll tell you what. There was only one tray of them, but they were very very good. <laughs> one very good. <laughs> yes. I understand why they get that reputation for being the wing place. Every time I have, like, I don't like Cavallos. Right. I think it's a terrible bar. I hate going there, and I yep. wouldn't have gone if it wasn't a stag party. Very true. But, you know, Cavallo's used to be the place for wing night when we were all kids and stuff. Middle school, man. And I've had so many great wings so many places. When you get there, man, when it comes for just, like, straight up, you know, hot chicken wings, regular chicken wings, they do a great job with it. Well, you know, anytime I get to hang out with your brother and anytime I get to do a raffle, I'm always pretty excited. My, You know, my brother, it's funny because uh, we, we did pretty well in the raffle. A lot of bottles of booze. Yes, we did. Like Canada Club, baby. My brother is getting married uh, next year, next uh, June or July. Can't, Can't wait. Off the top of my head, I think it's, it's going to be a hell of a wedding. Can't wait. I just wait until you hear my best man speech. But my brother's <laughs> got a philosophy right now about stag parties and he was telling me about it he's like i'm just going to every stag party i hear about i don't care if i know you yes i don't care if i like you i'm going to every stag party because my stag party is going to be coming and i hope karma pays it back and he's like once i get married you'll never see me at a stag party again <laughs> not once and that's probably sarcastic because my brother will go everywhere he goes but that was that's the philosophy i mean i wouldn't necessarily say he's wrong i think that's about right because once you've had your stag party and you're married you prob- well, I don't know though, because maybe you want an excuse to go out and do something. Like That's I know a lot too. of guys with the stag party. A couple of my married friends at the stag party were like, "Yeah, I didn't even, I, you know, I just yeah. wanted to get out of the house for a little while." Stag, it's, stag parties are an interesting thing because number one, I heard that stag parties are only like a Utica or semi-local thing. A yeah, lot you of people told me other that. Places don't know what they are. I never knew that because I'd always heard about them. But stag parties are weird because it's basically a charity fundraiser under the guise of a party so you don't feel bad taking charity for your friends to help pay for the wedding. Right. But it's just a fundraiser. And I'm happy to give. Weddings are so expensive. You know what I mean? Like I, I want my friends to have good weddings and I'll pitch in some bucks and I always do pretty well in the raffles and stuff. But the stag party is a weird social tradition. Yeah. You were the guy who told me that you'd never heard that outside of this area stag parties yeah. weren't a thing. yeah. And that's interesting to me because I never really thought about it. But outside of this region, I don't know if I've ever been invited to a stag party ever once. Never in how New much, York. How much time you spend outside of this? I mean, besides living in New York. Living in New York, I've never gotten invited to a stag party. Not no. once. And it's not a bad idea because it really is. You know, with weddings being as expensive as they are, get everybody in. You know, you provide food. You provide drinks. There's raffles. So you have a chance to win. You sell tickets at the um, door. You sell raffle tickets. And it's a, it's a really good way to be able to sort of crowdsource your wedding because – Today's day and age, the economy we live in, the world we live in with things being this expensive, yeah. it's tough to pay for a beautiful wedding out of pocket and then have enough left over to survive with your wife after you're done. I'd say I'm two for two on these liquor raffles, though, at the yeah. stag party. I'm feeling good. I'm enjoying some of the 
Canadian club, like black label or whatever that you want right now. Is that Canadian club is very drinkable. That's not bad. <laughs> on not a bad. scale of one to drinkable. It's too bad you didn't win that. Uh, our, our good friend John Zongrone, who I think might be the best man at this wedding. Yes, he is. He was putting together, picked out a lot of the prizes. He had that uh, Pitbull, Pitbull the musical artist, signature cologne. Yes. It's too bad you didn't win the Pitbull cologne. <laughs> yeah, the Pitbull. The Pitbull. <laughs> I don't know if there's a more Zongrone gift to offer than Pitbull cologne, but it's oh, a bummer man. you didn't. I, I'm glad you won the liquor instead of the Pitbull cologne. What does Pitbull cologne smell like? Pitbull. <laughs> it's just like, it like Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Miami to Spain or whatever they're doing. Oh, <laughs> man. I think I'm sufficiently ready. Let's uh, let's bring Erin in. She's in the green room. She is. She looks She looks so sleepy. These poor teachers, man. It's a tough time of the year for them. Now, after that Mets law, she probably didn't get much sleep last night. Boom! We should ask her about Let's it. Let's ask her. We'll be right back with Erin Higgins. Starting to feel like falls in the air when we're we're having cidery drinks in the studio. It's true. I'm wearing flannel. You it's the most are. wonderful time of the year. This is my favorite <clears throat> my favorite time of the year. It's uh, almost you know everybody says it now. Falls become so popular. It's an all time high now, but for a reason. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, falls great. Falls um, spectacular. Fall is my favorite time of the year too. I want to say I didn't see it out in the wilderness today, but I did hear that this was the first weekend in parts of New York that leaves are starting to change. They, I don't had, know. they had a frost warning up north. Really? This morning, they had a frost warning. It was cold this morning. Like they need to warn those people up in Old Forge, hey, the frost is coming. I hope you guys survive up there. It's September now. <laughs> frost it is, is here. It is September. And because it's September, it reminds me that there are only two weeks left in the Major League Baseball season. Oh, that would oh. feel like every game at this point must be make or break then. It does Just seem about. like every game now is very important. Was there, there were games this weekend, right? I, I think, I feel like the Yankees played somebody. Aaron, do you know who the Yankees played this weekend? I have no idea. I think maybe Toronto. Toronto? Uh, no, it wasn't Toronto. Are you sure it was Atlanta? It was the Mets, wasn't it? I don't know. Oh, uh, it was. Yes, that's right. A potential all New York World Series preview? Question mark? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> no, I'd I be would so... welcome that. I would welcome that, actually. What was that, 2001 when that happened? 2001. 2000. 2000? Yeah. 15 years? That'd be mm-hmm. nice. That'd be sweet. I'd be excited. It'd be very sweet. Uh, so let me let me give you the quick overview here. The Mets pulled one out in game one on Friday. Yeah, convincingly. Your boy Steven Matz pitched a good game. Great game. He looked good. He looked good. <laughs> he looked, I don't know. Such a patronizing voice. It's like my dad for some reason. Very condescending. Um, game two. Yanks crushed. 5 nothing Yanks. Yanks crushed. But let's talk about uh, Sunday's game. I this... missed the final score because I was so depressed. What did it end up being? Oh, the final score was 11-2. to two. Ah, yes. That is where um, I left the game. 11-2. to two. You guys lost to CC Sabathia, who's been... A big joke. So what I want for I you... I can't to- believe it. I'm actually... You know, to be honest with you, um, the Mets are an awesome team. They really are. Look how far they've come this year. And uh, with a bunch of, of really no-name guys. I mean, given we did build up with uh, Yoannis Espedes and Curtis Granderson. I like But I love Espedes. But if you if you look at, like, the regular guys, who's Wilmer Flores? Who's Juan Lagares? You know what I mean? So we come a long way. I... I think that the Yankees were convincingly better than we were this weekend. I'm, uh, I'm giving it up to the Yankees. They were convincingly ooh, better than we were this weekend. I felt that you know, in my chest. It's, it's unfortunate that I have to say that. but It's crazy to see Sabathia go out there and win because Sabathia's looked so bad the past couple of years. I've been thinking we'd be better off letting that bum Lula Pola out there to pitch. But yeah. Sabathia pulled Sabathia it out. Sabathia yeah, looked, takes. I'm going to be hot honest takes. with you. This is the first time I've seen Sabathia pitch in a long time because I don't watch the Yankees. He looked physically 
His physical appearance is really something I haven't seen in a while. He looks very sloppy mm-hmm. as a person. He can pit. He clearly he needs that though. When we he were. loses the weight, he pitches like garbage. He gains all that weight back, and all of a sudden he was a big boy. Balls. He was a big boy out there. He's like our. Uh, He's like uh, uh, Bartolo Colon. Bartolo Colon wants to get thin. He'd pitch rough. His pitching would be rough. I'll let you into the mind of Sam Pamelaro a little bit. I'll pull back the curtain. I like a fat athlete. Oh, something, you, I love a <laughs> Something about like a professional athlete who is somehow just gotten over fat. the fact that he has to be in shape is amazing to me. I love and it. It's not only just, in baseball. You don't really see that anywhere. I mean, maybe football, you got some linemen that like have guts, yeah, but there's still a lot of muscle a, under there. Yeah, that's a different thing. But though. you don't see complete slop tarts going out in any other sports yeah, besides that's, baseball. Pitchers? Oh, I love it. I love it. And I just tweeted, actually, I tweeted this weekend in regards to uh, Mets superstar Matt Harvey, who is oh. in wonderful shape during the offseason. He's very spelt. Gets into the season, starts packing on the LBs, gets like that neck fat roll, yeah. and looks... I mean, I love everything about the fact that he gains weight during the season. Yeah, Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey put he's uh, he's starting to fall apart. Sam, did Matt Harvey pitch this weekend? Yeah, the Dork Knight got smacked up pretty good Ooh. yesterday. Yankees. I'll give it to you. He wasn't very good yesterday. Uh, he wasn't very good. No, that's all right. Look, you know what? It's funny though. Uh, we still are not. I think it's eight or I nine games be... ahead of everybody else. Yeah, so. I know. It makes me laugh because, like, you know. The Yankees are actually really good, it seems like, all of a sudden. But Toronto is just this unstoppable force. Toronto? Uh, Who saw that coming? Shamir Gleason. Shamir Gleason. Shout out to Mir Scream. Yeah, Shamir saw yeah, it coming. The only man. The only I'll man. on it. I'll own that. Uh, no, I will say, though, uh, I would be I would be really excited for a Yankees-Mets World Series. I Even though too. the rest of the country would give zero, zero Fs. Uh, I would be into it. I'd be totally into it. Mm. And they do, and they don't care. They hate the Mets. They hate the Yankees. They hate everything coming out of New York. But the Mets are po- the oh, Mets clearly on. look to be poised to take the division, come if on, not man. at least a wild card spot. But so. realistically, if it was the Dodgers and who's another the Giants, the Giants in the world, I, I wouldn't care. I don't really care. No. I wouldn't care. I would care more about those two teams because I like West Coast baseball. That's just me. I would just be but, I would just be confused the two National League teams made it to the World Series. I mean, <laughs> right? right? yeah, the only thing I could think of is the Angels, right? That would the be Angels. It. The yeah. Los Angeles I Angels. Think of it. The way things are going at this current moment in time, though, I think I'd rather watch the San Francisco Giants than the New Jersey Giants trying to play football. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> talk about shooting yourself in the foot this past couple of seasons. However, or these past couple of games. However, I will be honest with you. I watched yesterday. I watched all the football yesterday. And... Uh, was I hate to say pleased to watch Tony Romo hit the dirt, but no, I felt bad. I, you feel for the guy because no, you have man. to think about. It says there's an eight week time period for him to come out, and I'm as you know, Giants fan, not a Cowboys fan. Really, really don't like the Cowboys organization. Don't like the way it's run. Don't like the finances behind it. Don't like Jerry Jones. Can't blame you. But don't like Jason Garrett, the puppet. But I don't feel good about that injury. You never feel good I don't. I feel very bad for him. We were at a birthday party yesterday. A 30th birthday party for Dan Nolan, our good friend. Happy birthday, Dan Nolan, 30 years old. (laughs) Uh, But we were at local establishment BBG's watching the Bills-Patriots game. That was a great game. That was a fantastic Um, game. You must have just about been out of your skin during that game. uh, I don't want to talk about it. But the point was, there was a guy there. He doesn't want to talk about it because he was eating chicken wings and watching soccer on his phone the whole time. So many chicken wings. (laughs) Uh, this guy that sure about how happy he was when Brady got hurt. A no, years never, ago. never, ever. But you can't like I don't like Tom Brady. I hate the Patriots. But you never want to see somebody get like legitimately no, you hurt. Really don't. Oh, Tony really Romo don't. for all the crap he gets in like the media, he's just a regular dude who's like doing his job. Like to have that happen and like ruin your whole like season. Well, that's my really heart shady. doesn't weep for him, but I'm not no. happy to see him get hurt. Either. No, 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 to be fair. 
he's a decent quarterback. Is he supposed to be the greatest quarterback of all time? No. Is he going to be the greatest quarterback of all time? No. Did he get the Jerry Jerry Jones effect where Jerry came out and said he's the you know what I mean? He got amped up a lot from within the organization, but it was almost like watching his career end. Like you almost watched him go down on the dirt, and you're like, if had it been he broke the collarbone, but it's almost like is he going to be able to come back now? I guess she's thirty five. He was drafted in an or. Oh three, so this mm-hmm. is this is his yeah. Towards the end, looking like yeah. Sting out there. He's looking a little <laughs> bit old. He's looking a little bit shaky, and you start to think, is this yeah. is this where we draw the line? Although yeah. Peyton Manning, what like broke his entire body and came back. So I didn't know we were going to get so heavy into sports. But I'm actually, sorry. No, no, it's it's interesting because you brought up an interesting point. It's very rare that you get to see something where you actually watch an athlete's career like sort of like end. On live television. That Joe, Th- like, Joe Theismann. Well, Joe Theismann, that's the historic. We didn't actually watch. That's the historic example. But I mean, like, watching in real time with an adult brain in your head and stuff. It is a crazy it's, thing to knowing, see when you know it knowing. might be the end. Yeah. Like, when Pacquiao got beat by, by Mayweather, you sort of watched his him, like, sort of shrink down a little Crumble bit. Crumble a little bit. Realize that that was his last, like, chance to be the guy. Think, we'll have to think during the break of other times where we thought that might have happened. Yeah, I'll have to come up with We'll something. come back to that, because let's, I know we have other examples. Let's move on to uh, to something else here. I have two stories out of the OD I read today in my lunch break, and I thought they were both interesting for different reasons, so I'm going to share them both with you, okay? I'm all ears. All right, the first one was an op-ed piece about the mayoral primary. Uh, mayoral primary this was... in the OD? In the OD. Okay. So it was on September 10th, uh, was the mayoral primary for Utica. Mm-hmm. We have 13,500 registered Democrats in the city. Aaron, how many do you think actually showed up and voted? Oh, God, what a great question. Two, 2,000? 2,000? 2,000? Maybe three? Kevin? Uh, I'm going to pretend I didn't read the article and say I would, if I were to guess before yeah. I read the article, I would hope for like three or 4,000. Yeah. However, we got 1,860 oh, people. Oh, that's a really gross feeling. Which is 14% of the Democrat, uh, the Democratic, uh, the registered Democrats in the city. Uh, 60 per, there are 6,096 registered Republicans, and 820 of them showed Whoa. up. Which is about 13%. Yeah. That yeah. sounds about even. Yeah. That's a gross uh, feeling, though. There were some people saying, well, it's November. These elections, a lot of people don't come out to vote in November. But no, the other. September. September. The point of this article was really, though, we're gearing up for, like, a major economic revival in this city, the way everything's been going. Right. You, so you're surprised more people are not well, I mean, out voting or... And I think... You- Go ahead. You know, you know that I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty in tune guy with politics, both yes, you know, you on the on the local level and you know, state, regional, and national, everything like that. I like to pay attention. I like to get out. You know, I try to get out, make sure that I vote when it's you know when I have to and everything. And it's crazy to me because I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but you talk to so many people and they they say almost with pride, they're like, "Oh, I don't follow politics. I don't vote. Who cares?" And it's like they say it like that's a good thing. And the thing that makes me nuts is because when you look, like, those numbers aren't just an Oneida County thing. Like, you'll see even in presidential elections and, yeah. you know, Senate, Congress elections, every election you see, the turnout is such a small percentage. And all these people who are like, ha-ha, I don't care about politics, and they think that makes them, like, good or something, if, you know, everybody— They're like, always the ones that complain. They're all yeah. these people. Yeah. All these people have problems with the country, and these people who are posting all this nuts stuff on the Internet about what's going on, and people have all these complaints about the country— I don't think they realize, especially young people, because the young people don't go out to vote. There are so many of us out there that if everybody would get out, read a little bit, and go actually vote, we could really make some changes in on both a local and you know a larger scale to a national level. And 
I don't understand why people wouldn't want to be engaged and take some reins over what's going on. I, I understand agree. if you live in New York State, you don't want to vote in the presidential election. It doesn't matter. New York State's going to go blue no matter what. Always. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. But the fact that you're not interested in who's going to be the mayor in your own city, the fact that you're not right. interested in who's going to be your representative to Congress, it blows my mind how you yeah. could care that little and then be proud and think it makes you cool that you right. don't care. It doesn't make you cool. It makes you ignorant, uninformed, and you go move, go to another country, go to another county, get out of my city because I'm sick of all of you. Because I think that's the bullet point that I take away from this, right, is <clears throat> I lived in New York City for seven years. Right. I voted for Obama first time. Second time, I didn't vote at all because it doesn't matter. Right. Obama's going to win. It's, it's not like, it's almost not like you're in Ohio or Florida yeah. or somewhere like that. Um, but when you are in a local <clears throat> election, the votes really do well, if you if you think about that, look at how many people voted. You say, you know, we'll say just in the, the Democratic primary, you said about 1,300 people voted. That means if you could get, and I mean, to be fair, you know, uh, Palmieri trounced his opponent, so that wasn't very close. It's not a great example. But if if you could get, you know, you could swing. If you could mobilize 200, 300 people, that can Which is not exactly election. a large That's number a of lot. people. We have 300 followers. We have 300 people who are all of voting age that follow us on the internet, on Twitter. If you could get 300 people go out to vote, you can swing a local election. You just have to get people to care. All right, so think about this, okay? There were 800, there were 820 Republican votes, right? Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. LaPola got 8%. The next closest, Sunita got 5%, right? Or whatever the... Who the hell did everybody else vote for? Uh, if those two guys, between those two guys, they only got 13% of the vote, who'd the other 87% vote? I'm looking at the article. I'm just reading Me? what it says. Am, have I been elected? <laughs> uh, certainly not by the Republicans. Uh, the, point, the, the point they're getting at is that uh, this Sunita put up a pretty good uh, like fight for having no political experience. Uh, you can imagine that if there was more of a turnout, you might have gotten a better example of who's and really I, I interested. I got to tell you, in probably the last mayoral election, the one where Paul Mary got voted into office, I went and I covered the debate for um, a small local news organization I was working for at the time. And it was a small thing at the other side, and I started Domenico's, and I got to talk to all the oh, candidates right, for that. a while afterwards. I got to sit down and talk to all those dudes for a little while. And a guy like Ernest Sinead is a smart guy. He's got a lot of pretty yeah. good ideas and stuff like that. But a lot of it is just a complete disengagement. But all you see is signs. I mean, all these people, you know, they might go on TV or maybe the radio, but they're not reaching out to the demographics they want. No. I'll tell all the political candidates here locally, you want to reach the 21 to 35, 18 to 35 demographic, got to come on the Uticast and talk to the people. I'm a hard interview. I'll be, I'll be bold. Yeah, real, real softball question. <laughs> so what do you like better, veal parmesan or eggplant parmesan? <laughs> favorite indie rock band? Is it pavement or is it built to spill? Oh, nobody? Oh, no, well. Uh, built to spill tunes the guitar, so I think you'd vote for that. Before we move on to the next segment, I just want to shout out another article I read. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but uh, Liz Cooper at the OD wrote a really interesting article about the 20th anniversary of Griffiths Air Force Base closing and the history. That was, I read that. That was a great article. That was article. a really that good was, article. I was not, teaching all day. I didn't read anything. Not not to sit here and, and knock the OD too hard or anything because they've been very kind to us. Yes, you know, they a have. lot of people work hard down there, but it was it was a whole next level thing that you normally see from them. Oh, like it, was it was a deeper level of informative investigative stuff. I was really impressed with that article. And yeah, Liz Cooper. With a few people. Bravo. Good work. Because up until now, I just thought that Griffiths Air Force Base was basically like where I was always in the impression that's where they hid the A-bombs, right? 
the it 70s? was back back yeah. in the day during the Cold War. I remember my grandfather used to work there. He was a World War II veteran uh, stationed at Pearl Harbor when the Japanese attacked, and you know, so he stayed in the aerospace industry. And he worked at Griffiths, and I remember him talking, and I remember like my father and uncles telling me. Back during the Cold War, Griffiths Air Force Base was either number two or number three yeah. on the list of potential targets if the Russians ever attacked because they stored way more nukes up there than you would ever think. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if that's still the case, but they're still, although they closed on a large scale, they still do a lot of stuff up there. What did the article slate was the was the, was the number one reason? Like, what was the last straw for... Did it talk about those things? Did it talk about the factors in, in which Griffiths it, closed or... Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to bite the article I'll, too I'll, much. It's very good. Uh, they did it. go into it. how many times initially they thought it was going to close before it did, and how it did sort of sneak up on them, even though it had been talked. That was yeah. That was a big thing. Twenty years ago, ninety five. I remember before that, you know, because because my grandfather had been employed yeah. there, it stayed like it was always in talk in my you know family, and I would always listen to the adults talk on the weekends and stuff. And it was always, will they, won't they? On is Griffiths yeah. going to close? So it was closed for a while. Um, I'll read it later. Yeah. Well, we have. Uh, we have an interesting guest this week. We have a band, local band, local indie original music bands called Comfy. We got the Comfy. We got Connor and Ben. I'm very excited to talk about Those them. That should be fun. Uh, I can't wait. I love some indie music. I like musicians. This is right up my alley. So, I like uh, things that are comfy. You do like <laughs> That's fair. You're wearing sweatpants. I'm once right again right. in men's sweatpants this week, so, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Let's take you to uh, our interview with the boys from Comfy. We'll be right back. Singer-songwriter and the bass player. <laughs> That's the impression that I've gotten here. Yeah. Uh, because me and Kev on the show, mm-hmm. we played in a band for years and years, and that was that was we were the guys. That was our thing. We were like, <laughs> he yeah. plays bass, I play guitar, I write the music, he helps me write it, and then that was kind of our thing. We were like a tandem, sure, sort of like Daft Punk, except not that talented. <laughs> uh, a but, Daft Daft Punk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, uh, I'm very glad that you guys came in. Uh, I'm gonna try and I'm trying not to screw this up. Uh, Connor Benincasa, yep, singer, guitar player, songwriter, and Ben Hicks, bass yep. player, songwriter. I would imagine as well. No, 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 no bass player. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and you guys with the band Comfy. Uh, I've heard a lot about you guys from other uh, good friends of the show. Tim Schramm actually always love promoted Tim. you guys yeah, when he was on here. Tim's one of our good buds. Yeah, um, he's a personal friend of ours, and we uh, we love playing the Dev. We actually. Uh, Comfy played its first show at the Dev, and uh, it was actually the first show that the Dev had after they reopened. So really? it was sort of, yeah, it was nice. sort of both of us, our things were sort of born at the same time in the nice. same place. How long have you guys been together with this project, if you don't mind me asking? Well, uh, I started Comfy in March of 2013, uh, just as an outlet for me to write my own songs, and Ben started playing bass for us in December of that year, yeah. Yeah. So, Ben's been, yeah, Ben's been one of the longest 
I mean, at this point, he is actually the longest member other than me to, to be in the band. Suck it, Zeno. Yeah. <laughs> our our ex-drummer Zeno was, uh, had beaten him out by a few months. But. Yeah, all my ex-band members this time are, like, married and have <laughs> jobs. Like, yeah, good, good luck there, guys. Uh, It'll pan out. <laughs> um, so I, I have to admit, I had only heard about you guys um, from word of mouth. Um, through Tim, and I have to admit, uh, I, I want to say I saw you play a solo show, Connor, at the other side yes. on Genesee Street. That probably happened. Yeah, <laughs> with uh, Rebecca Turner, yeah. the Periscope from that show, which is the first time I'd ever seen anything involved with the band. Um, your solo show actually has a much more They Might Be Giants kind of vibe to it oh. than the... I don't know if that's a good or bad. I don't know if no, you know. They're, they're, they're like my favorite band. That's great. <laughs> that's you great. couldn't tell. Uh, great. I love them. Yeah. Uh, no, I picked that up from listening to you guys. But um, but listening to the whole band, I went and watched all the videos on YouTube today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you guys do have a really interesting kind of indie sound. I'm a huge pavement, Mark. I love mm-hmm. pavement. I don't know love if it. that's a thing for you guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge, yeah, no. I'm really into pavement, really into St- Stephen Malcolm's, uh New the, band, the Jicks. Jicks, yep. Love yep. them. Yeah. It's one of my favorite songwriters yeah. and performers. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Pavement is sort of like, Pavement was the next step for me when I would, I always think about music in terms of like, if you trace back the bands that were really mm-hmm. important to you, you can look back at all the bands that were important to your career or your, Pavement was my return back to like rock music after I was like in a big Ben Folds, I'm going to write, you like, cow truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I really think, though, that was interesting while watching is you guys do have a very uh, theatrical edge to the show. There's a lot more to it than just because you're all very technically talented. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Uh, well, <laughs> but, but it seems like there is more of a live show theatrical aspect. Is that something you guys you know, we, sat down? Yeah, and, yeah, we do what we can. Basically, uh, I think we are always asking what else can we do besides just play the songs mm-hmm. and for a while uh, we had five people in the band total which yeah. meant that I was allowed to just go and sing and uh, didn't have to play an instrument and that allowed me to do a lot more theatrical things mm-hmm. like uh, change costumes and yeah. run through the crowd and you know jump on things and stuff like that. Um, but even now, I think we, we still try to find something interesting to do that's a little more than just, you know, a few guys playing some songs. Sure. You know, and it comes through with the performances. It gets boring for us, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're playing the same. Not not that I don't love the songs, obviously. No, I know but you if you play that. the same thing every time, you like to spice it up a little bit and, you know, yeah. add some fun. Um, Absolutely. Would you say, Connor, that you are the... The main song, where do you write all the music? I write all the music. Yeah, all the music. I I write all the songs and I bring them. I usually will record a demo of just me multi tracking everything and then I bring it. I bring it to the band and it's usually after we've learned the song, we've been playing it for a few months. It sounds very different from that demo. (laughs) Right. So it's like I write the song, but everyone, we, the band kind of does what it will with the song. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we, we make things a little longer, we make things a little shorter. Sure. Some will write their own bass part, their own drum part. We'll, you know, once you've written a song, it's not really totally written until you know how to play it. Sure. So. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. I I wonder for, for Ben, for you, uh, if he comes in with a song totally written, do you prefer it that way with like something that he's worked on that you can hear and give your own angle to, or do you find um, it? I like it to have some wiggle room. Sure. Obviously, but I like when the structure's there 
and I know what I'm like what needs to be there, but then I can add my own little flares and whatnot to it. Yeah, because I think that's an interesting challenge. Uh, I was a guy who wrote all the music, not not all of it, but I wrote most of the lyrics, and I was the singer. So you get the reputation for being the guy who writes the sure. music. But over the years, I've learned that some of my the best stuff I ever wrote or that came out of our work was where I had a project that was presented and when someone whose ears aren't my own hears it and I go, oh, wow, I never would have thought to do this <laughs> yeah. specific thing. Um, but it's good that you guys, you know, you don't, that you guys allow that to happen and leave the wiggle room. I think that's important. Sure, yeah. Uh, do you guys think about, like, genre at all when you play or do you just play no, whatever comes no. out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Uh, I think that's boring when a band, yeah. when someone starts a band and they're like, oh, I'm going to start a punk band. You want to play drums for me? You know, and it's like, well, how do you know that you, like, why don't you just write music and then figure out what you are afterward? And as a result, I think, because that's what I do, it gets kind of, not scary sometimes, but almost a little scary because it's like, I'll write a song and I'll be like, would Comfy play this? Yeah. And that's a question that you can't ask yourself. It's just like, well, I just wrote it, so we're <laughs> so going to yes. play it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, our songs can change if you want to say genre from song to song because it's just they're all kind of their own awesome that's great that's great now you guys are the one thing that ties it all together is you guys mostly original music or all original music yes right all original music all original music we've thrown covers into the sets here and there but it's usually one cover per set and it hasn't happened in a while Mm -hmm. and that's true (laughs) yeah usually um, one song we covered for a while was When You Were Mine which was written by Prince and we played it more like Cyndi Lauper uh, plays it and another one is uh, Charm Bracelets by The Real Burnouts who are another uh, Utica band that we've both played in over the years (laughs) so uh, that you know remember that name yeah they're great yeah they're the best yeah so you guys are all are you both from Utica yeah initially yeah Oh, wow, this is interesting. How many bands have you been in before you got to Company? Uh, uh, company, by the way. Uh, bad Company. No. Um, bad Company. <laughs> that's, wow, that's really good. <laughs> Just do that. That's um, pretty funny. I played in a band called Bad Sound uh, with my buddy Zeno from Bad Cello. Uh, see, basically, Zeno does Bad Cello. That's his solo project. Mm-hmm. And then my fr- our friend Jake from Tofu Deluxe, which was Zeno's old high school band, he called his solo stuff High Sound, so they formed a band with me called Bad Sound. Mm-hmm. We played for a few years. And then other than that, I, I played in the Burnouts. We both play in the Figments mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Any other... I, I'm, if I'm forgetting anything, I'm going to be a dick. Because it's <laughs> like... Because <laughs> someone... Uh, but no. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just kind of... Oh, that's like, great. Have you guys always been together working in these projects? Like, generally? Or did you guys just find each other before? We kind of found each other somewhere in the middle. middle. Yeah. Because I've known Connor since he... You were probably... 12? Something like uh, that. He was. Yeah, I'm 26. He's 21. I was friends with his older brother in like high school and we're still friends and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So that's how I met Connor was through his brother. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Well, I had no idea how old you guys were until just this moment. <laughs> you know, like an old, old man. Oh, um, please. No. So, so let me ask you. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot this question at you. When, uh, when Kevin and I. Played in the band. Mm-hmm. It was probably about seven, eight years ago. We were playing like the bar scene in Utica, playing mm-hmm. like McGill's and playing mm-hmm. uh, Valley Brook, sure. and doing two or three hour sets wow. because that's Ooh. what well, that's what people expected, right? Like if you want to see the bomb or you want to go mm-hmm. see Shovelhead or some other yeah. band, they expect you to play this much music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get the impression talking to you guys that 
you wouldn't even be interested in playing that kind of a set, right? Like, does that even appeal to you? Well, we don't have three hours of reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if we wanted to play a three-hour set, we'd have to learn a lot more songs. Um, if the money was right, I wouldn't have anything wrong with doing that. Right. But I also don't think that the types of people who go to bars to see cover bands are interested in Comfy's music. That's it. So yeah. that's yep. we have done something like like we've played shows where it's comfy and the figment and the real burnouts playing one show together. So that's three, three hours, hours. Three yeah. sets, three of, hours of, of original music. Of all original music. But it's three, three different di- songwriters and three yeah. different band configurations. <laughs> so it was it was all of the music. All the music <laughs> we could possibly play. Oh yeah. yeah. We used to do the move where uh, you hire a solo acoustic person to mm-hmm. come open for you, so you only have to pay one person. <laughs> oh, that's, that's smart. A good move, that's right? That's nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> note to self. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll take that one home with you. Um, so I heard an interesting. You were guys talking this before about your current EP, the Good Luck EP, which is out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you released this on cassette. We yep. did. Yes. Really? What uh, What motivated you to do that? I love it, but um, I'm so interested well, to see the scene that we kind of came up in and by that I mean not not the Utica scene per se but the other other bands that I uh, would play shows with and would you know bands that I've gone on tour with and stuff mm-hmm. um it's the cassette has come back in vogue in mm-hmm. in a sense in the I would say in the college rock crowd yeah um and it is something that kids will buy and like to listen to and it, I think uh there's a few things I like about it um a, it's I like it a little better than a CD because with the cassette you can download the music online, so you have the digital aspect yeah. of it. And the and CDs, well, jewel cases break instantly. Immediately, and CDs <laughs> get uh, scratched so easily they get lost in your car or whatever. And then it's like the physic, the whole physical object, the case is broken, the CD's scratched, and with the tape, it's just like you you put it on the shelf, and even if you never listen to the tape itself, you can download the thing, you know. And, still listen to it in high quality or you pop it into the car deck if you have it or whatever. Well, I think it's interesting. I, you know, <laughs> I was living in New York for the last seven years and mm-hmm. it was a huge like vinyl, yeah. like revival. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, everywhere yeah. you go. Like if you're a band, you almost release it now on MP3 and then you make the vinyl to sell at the show so people can have something. Absolutely, people yeah. like the like, tangible. Yeah, yeah. It's like owning a, a novel or having an e-reader. Like yeah, I'm yeah. sure e-reader's nicer, but I want that you want physical the smell and the, yeah. it's art man the whole thing is exactly. art. the tactile yeah. connection is very important definitely. Um, and for the record we would love to put something out on vinyl but the money is not oh, there <laughs> yeah, no, I imagine. yeah um so we talked a little bit about your influences uh a little bit of, you guys do have that pay me vibe is there anyone else you guys really like that draws you out like what did you guys agree on anything specifically in terms of bands that you really love or never i mean we never like agreed uh ahead of time but I, there's definitely our tastes overlap a lot uh, ben i mean i've talked about i really like pavement i really like they might be giants uh yeah. ben has his own influences definitely i mean as far oof as far as influences, <laughs> Stop. it's weird. It's weird for me because my favorite band is actually Fish. Wow, <laughs> Fish, yeah, wow, which, cool. yeah. I'll say it. I don't like playing in the indie rock. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's really funny because like before our shows, I'll just like play like one Fish bass line, and there'll always be like one person in the crowd who's like. <gasps> Dude, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It's yeah. So it's it's funny to say that. It, but obviously, Fish is like my number one band. But then, uh, like Wilco, I love a oh, lot. Yeah. And yeah. 
early Weezer. Yeah. Well, you mean the first two Weezer the first, albums? No, right, right? first four. So you go, all right, I'll go up to four, and to even four. five, I could make that an argument for. I can, I can make an argument for right. Make Believe. Yeah. We, I, I, I'll go as far as half of the Red Album. <laughs> the half of the Red Album is listenable for me, and then the other half where Rivers doesn't sing... Yeah, um, that is a little um, weird when that happens. We're yeah. track sure. here. Yeah. Um, Kyle, ben, I really want to thank you guys for coming on. I know you have the new EP out. I would love if you would uh, let us play a track yeah, off of the of album before you close it. you want to introduce the track before we go on a break? Uh, this is a song called Neck Hurts off of the Good Luck EP. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys can follow Comfy on Twitter at Pillowhuggers. True. Great Twitter handle, by the way. I'm loving <laughs> you. Um, and where else can people get a hold of you if they want to get in touch with you folks? We're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Comfy Boys. Uh, Instagram at Comfy Boys. Yep. Comfy Boys. And, and, comfy boys. Uh, <laughs> and then if you're a Tumblr person, there's uh, pillowhuggers.tumblr.com, which I rarely use. But it exists. So. <laughs> We're on Friendster. But <laughs> <laughs> I see you guys on Tinder. I'll swipe right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank, you. God, thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. And this is their new track. Uh, neck hurts. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Oh, it was a pleasure, guys. We'll catch you right after the break. My neck hurts, my legs hurt, my butt hurts, my shoulders hurt. Everything hurts from dancing and biking and having too much fun. Today I feel like a fucking bum. Today I feel like a worthless bum. Gotta get out of the house and back into the classroom. Gotta cut my stupid hair and clean my the bedroom Just because you're comfy right now means you get to join the band. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> no. I don't know where you've been, but I've been singing the national anthem at my school every morning, so I, I could be in a band. They're very theatrical. I might be into that. Uh, thank you again, though, to the boys from Comfy. Very chill. Very trill. Very Sweet. comfy people. Great Deeply guys. trill dudes. Super um, comfy. Guys, I heard a story today uh, about a personal aircraft that you can buy for $200,000. Oh, for like a split second there, I thought you were going to say 200 bucks. And no. I was like, dude, let's get one this week. Let's get one this week for you. 
$200,000. It takes fewer training hours than are required for most piloted planes otherwise. That sounds safe. Um, you can take off. It's a seaplane, so you can take off from the water. You can keep it in your garage, and you can drag it behind your car like a trailer. If you had $200,000 to blow, would you buy this personal aircraft? No. If I had $200,000 to blow, I'd buy so... If I had that much money to blow, like if I could blow $200,000, just burn it on some junk, that means I've got a ton of money. So yeah, I'd probably buy it and buy everything. But like realistically, if I have so much money that $200,000 is a whim purchase for me, no, because I probably own a jet. And like I would rather sit... Like a G6. You know what right? I mean? Like the same reason, I'd, I'd just rather sit in like a comfortable yeah. seat and be served like cocktails what? as opposed to like Having craft my own crowdfunded you know, Minecraft airplane. Elevation machine. And, like, Do you the, have to put it together when you get it? God only knows with these people. Know. And is it like pop-out parts? I'll tell you, and what's the, FAA, what's the FAA gonna do where just like people launch you can't even fly drones anymore, let alone. And we live, we were talking about uh, Griffiths. We live too close to Griffiths. Oh, I'm taking off from Proctor Park in my personal manned aircraft. Cool, you just got gone down. At the very least, you buy this aircraft and now you're on like the NFSA list or something like that. No way. I don't really like to fly, so I'm not going to get one. So. No. Uh, it's To me, it just seems like I've always said for years, I love motorcycles. I think they're cool. Why don't I buy a motorcycle? Because I'll be dead. I'll, I'll be dead alive. in like three. Yeah, I'll be I dead. Enjoy in being alive and not paralyzed. Same reason. Same reason, except to the max. Why wouldn't I buy this? Because it's two thousand, two hundred thousand dollars I'd spend, and then I'd be dead. Yeah, you just like just buy your own gravestone. Yeah, done. yeah, might as well. Same thing. For real. <laughs> I um, bet in the I bet in the package of the personal aircraft, you also buy your own headstone. Probably a different package. It comes with the headstone. <laughs> it comes with the headstone. <laughs> as I mentioned, package B. <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, Utica mailbag. Big, big swing and a miss today. What did we get? Maybe one, one. or two? I got one. We got one message in the cast email. We'll get more. And we will. We'll did we? More. I think. And we, one DM. We, now, let me, let me ask you a question because I think we forgot to put the Uticast email out today. That would be helpful. Did we forget? No, we did not. We didn't forget? We did not forget. No, but for those who didn't hear it, Uticast <laughs> at gmail.com. All your questions, all your mailbag questions, anything you want us to talk about, anything you want to be discussed, anything you want an answer to. You want to take one of the guys on a date? Anything. Yeah. Or if you want to take Aaron on a date, you... <clears throat> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> you want to solicit Aaron via email, uticast at gmail. I prefer if you did it. Don't, though, because she won't answer. I'm undateable. Uh, but I got one question. One question in the mailbox. Let's week. do it. All right. I wish we had this a mailbag from, sound effect. This is... <laughs> this mail make sound? It does when you have a lot of it. I guess. Uh, <laughs> so this email is from longtime friend of my old podcast, Family on the Wookiee. This is from my cousin, Cousin Joe. Cousin Joe. I love Cousin Joe. Cousin, cousin Joe is hey, a nice Joe. guy. Yeah, all right. Cousin Joe. And this question uh, is involved around being in the friend zone. He Ooh. asks, he likes this girl, but she's put him in the friend zone. Yikes. Can you escape from the friend zone? And if you can... How does it happen? Alcohol. Wow. Okay. Wow. Here's here's like that. If you just say, like that, that's I'm friends. I've I've been friend zoned. I'm currently being friend zoned. <laughs> I think everyone's currently being friend zoned. But I'm a girl. It shouldn't happen to girls. That's such a that's oh, such a stereotype. God, that's, I, wow. ew, yeah, that's pretty bad. I know. Doesn't that feel so good to say though? But uh, you said it. I don't know. I know. I said it. It's a good saying. You'd have to tell me. It was good. I felt good. Um, I, I think it does normally happen more to guys than to girls. Too. Oh, without yeah. a doubt, without a doubt. Um, there's no question. I think the thing about escaping for Cousin Joe, you know, if you're listening, 
the problem with escaping the friend zone is what the friend zone comes down to. It's not like, oh, if I keep just being a great guy, then she'll like me. Or if I keep doing nice things, then she'll like me. No, that's not the way it goes. The reason you're in the friend zone, she's just simply not attracted to you and you can't negotiate attraction. There's nothing you can do to change the chemistry on that base level. So unless you're in the friend zone because she's got some weird mental hang up where she's not ready to be with you or she's got some weird issue where she won't be with you. If it's just a base thing where she's not into it, you're not going to make her be into it by being a really nice guy. It's not the way it works. You say you can't uh, negotiate attraction. I question, can you foster attraction in places where it doesn't exist yet? Like, can you be friends with somebody and they can learn something about you that they may didn't know beforehand uh, that would change their opinion of you to bring you out of said friend zone. Yeah, probably. But I think at the end of the day, if some girl doesn't like you because your face looks like a foot, there's nothing you can do about it. But that has anything to do with this. I mean, Joe, Joe, he's very handsome. Is a handsome guy. So I would say, as a girl, that sometimes being friend zoned um, from a woman's perspective, you know, to the, to a guy, sometimes being friend zoned is about safety. Sometimes being friend zoned is about a woman not wanting to really. Um, run the risk of losing you mm-hmm. as a person in their life. So, because as you know, relationships can fall apart. And when they do, you usually do not go back to being like chums. Like it doesn't really work out that way. Realistically, should it? Of course. Did Ross and Rachel? Yes. But like. She does, got off the plane. She got off the plane. <laughs> she got, I got off the plane. Those knee socks. I love but like, Oh my God. Her outfit. Yeah, top notch outfit. Skirt and vest. Top notch outfit. Bang. So, so, um. The friends, so. <laughs> <laughs> boom! You got Sam. You got Sam. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that if you there comes a time when you have to either make a grand gesture or walk away, but you have to make the decision and you have to feel out the situation. So I think that it comes down to feeling, comes out situation. If she's giving you green green um, lights in certain regards, like the touching, the flirting, but she's backing off when it comes to the actual aspect of dating, then she's probably just a little uncomfortable with the whole thing and you should just give it a little time. If she's shutting you down left and right, then just just know that it's over. But there are two yeah. concerns here, right? There's either she's not attracted she's to you. She's just not that into you. Either she's not attracted to you physically or she's not attracted to you like uh, chemistry-wise. chemistry-wise, right? I think those two things overlap, although I think you can overcome, you know, physical... I can say there's... I say physical attraction is something you can overcome. There yeah. are certainly... I can say there have certainly been girls who I wasn't... Like, girls that I've dated over the years who were, have met, whatever, were, when I first met them, I wasn't really overwhelmingly physically attracted to them, but the more I get to know them, they're more attractive to me. Exactly. You know what I mean? Cause you, exactly. Because, like you said, you show people something and something comes up and you're like, oh, wow, like this is a whole different thing about this person that I didn't know. Yeah. And that becomes a thing. But I think something that I I see a lot of guys I know, a lot of friends I have make this mistake. I think sometimes some guys and, you know, girls probably too, but I can only really speak from a guy's perspective. Sure. Um, I think sometimes guys are, are a little bit too nice and not to say that you shouldn't be nice and you shouldn't be kind and treat everybody with respect. But I think sometimes I see a lot of guys like, well, if I keep just doing Nice thing after nice thing, and I do everything that they want, and I bend over backwards for them. Eventually, they'll see that I'm such a nice guy that they'll have to want me. That's not really the way that it works. Let me tell you, I'm a girl. I've never dated that guy. I never never wanted to date that guy. That guy sucks. He's the worst. Yep. And that's the guy who says no. So we, do, so we do mean that Cousin Joe sucks? Because Cousin Joe's no. a nice guy. No, but Cousin, cousin Joe says no once in a while. She's going to get her, you know, going to get her knickers on it's, it's, a, it's about backbone. And you at least her knickers are doing something. You have to be a person that, that has backbone and stands on your own because I don't think anybody, man or woman, is going to respect you if you're somebody who will fold who you are, what you're about, and how you act. 
yep. just to try to negotiate them into wanting to be with you. Don't be whipped. Next. <laughs> Poor Cousin Joe. Uh, no, you, listen. Joe. Cousin Joe is a good guy. He is a good guy. He's the I best know Cousin guy. Joe. He's a nice man. Um, all right. Uh, I had a little bit... I had a story about uh, this new Generation Z... Uh, we're technically millennials, I can't keep guy. up with millennial, Generation Z, Generation XYZ, all this stuff. Yeah. Spice Girls had a song called Generation X. That was all pretty right. much where I stopped. Uh, so well, there's an interesting article in the New York Times, if anyone's interested in reading it, about Generation Z, which is called The New Millennials. It was called, Move Over Millennials, Here Comes Generation Z. Great headline, guys. Um, is that zombies? Sure. Generation Zombie, yeah, because all the zombie stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I took the most out of this, and it made all say, it all made sense to me. It's the next big uh, marketing and cultural trend. Yeah, of course. You know, I get that. But here's what bothered me. They wrote here, they compared Millennials and Generation Z, okay? Uh-huh. Here's the birth age for Millennials. 1980 to 1995. Bullshit. And you I'm mean sorry. You mean to tell me that somebody who's like 35 years old is a Millennial? I don't buy it. Wait a minute. I 95 don't. 95 to... Wait, that's a lot. 1980 80 to 95. To 95. That's a huge window, guys. I don't relate at all to kids that are born in no, 95. That's what I'm saying. I do not self-identify with millennials Millennials should start at 1990, 1991, 92. Maybe, I mean... They really can No, because you, you can even say... I mean, you can say 80... Uh, I don't know. What, what's Generation How about Z? About 1990. Guys? Generation Z is 2006 through 2010. Literally, which for whatever reason, Nine is a much smaller. So then why do we even care? I mean, I don't want right, to be because, rude, but like those kids are like in third grade. Because those kids were born with because from those a kids were born two technology. years after I graduated. Because well, from because from a sociopathic marketing and advertising standpoint. Those kids are the next customers on the come up, and you got to get them early. I understand mm-hmm. that because kids are the ones that have the most um, disposable income, but. That's, uh, uh, I don't even know where to begin with that. That just makes me feel so weird because I can't relate at all to the kids. I, the, a lot of the forays that I've had into and a lot of friends that I've had who work in, in you know, mass marketing and advertising and stuff like that, it's so soulless the way they have to look at people sometimes. It because is you really, you almost have to so handle, you know what I mean? It's nuts. Let me read you a quote from this New York Times piece that will make, that maybe it'll make your stomach turn as much as mine did. We are the first true digital natives, said Hannah Payne, an 18-year-old UCLA student and lifestyle blogger. I can almost almost simultaneously create a document, edit it, post a photo on Instagram, and talk on the phone, all from the user-friendly interface of my iPhone. That makes my stomach hurt. Digital (laughs) Digital natives is a terrible, terrible, terrible term that I might steal to start an electropop band. (laughs) However, she's not wrong. Oh my God, and I know she's not. I think we should. There's a band in the podcast, Digital Native Show, coming up. Here's another oh. quote for you. Comfy, let us all Wait a minute, it. I have a picture for it. <laughs> yeah, Gen- Z, Generation Z takes in information instantaneously, she said, and loses interest just as fast. Well, no, it's you know what, though? It's true. Like Because uh, I've talked about it you know, in conversations with you guys and other friends and stuff. Like, think about how weird it is, you know, at our age, because we're all about the same age, and we were in like 7th, 8th, ninth grade, we were all like just getting the internet and it was dial up and AOL and all that stuff. And it's crazy because we were, we, those of us who are 28, 29, 30, 31, 32 years old right now, were the very last generation to not have that be in their life the whole time. Like, yeah. how many times do you see young kids, you see your little nieces and nephews, little babies in the family? Who will be three years old and they know how to run an iPad? Can we talk That's about that? That's never going away and because it's, that happens to me at my job about. I believe it. You teach young kids week. and you see it. I mean, these kids really are like this. Is 
it doesn't get talked about a ton, and it won't be until the history books where it does, but these kids are the very first kids to ever grow up in this, in this time where everything's shifted, and it's been a huge change, and it's going to be interesting to see where it gets to. Digital Natives, this is the picture for our band. There you go. Oh, Digital Natives, I'm telling you, it's a good band name. Um, uh, really it, quickly, I would like to say that la one of my best examples of, of this whole thing would be that uh, last year was the first year, not last year, but a couple years ago, actually, was the first year I had to teach children how to use a mouse on a computer. Oh, yeah. And we had desktops, desktop computers with, like, a, with like the, what's it called, that big box, and... Um, the tower? Yeah, the tower, yeah. And, and stuff of that caliber, and I had to teach kids how to use a mouse because they kept poking at the screen with their fingers. I mean, this is, this is an intense situation. I never thought that was going to happen, but what do I know? Uh, Keep going. Good long show today. No time for over-unders. We'll do them next week. I do want to say... Congratulations to you, Mrs. Higgins. Your new, uh, your bows are at the topping tree. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Just go to the topping tree. Give Heather yeah. some love and buy a bow. We love new Heather. shoes, bows. Great friend of the show. Aaron designed a bunch of bows. I got to look at them. They're all very nice. So they go are pick very them up. Nice. They're handcrafted, made with love and Utica. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So go go buy some. So, all right. Well, thanks for coming, folks. Uh, we'll we're happy to have you here. We'll do better next week. Yeah, right? Next week. We'll do yeah. better every week. We'll do better out. every week. Who used to say that? Try to do better next time. Uh, somebody. And I steal all my stuff from people I don't remember anymore. Don't reinvent the wheel. I'll just clap, slow clap. I'll do this. I'll do this.